Welcome to another episode of In The Zone. I am your host, Chris Broussard. We got another outstanding show for you. We have our interview with Gary Washburn, the longtime NBA columnist for the Boston Globe. Going to give us some great insight on the Celtics and around the league. Of course, we got my man, Jason McIntyre, here for another segment of Knockdown Jay. But as always, we got to get it started with a top five. And I was watching the Cavaliers get drilled by the woeful Orlando Magic. And that got a brother to thinking, what are the top five problems with the Cleveland Cavaliers? At number five, things have gotten stale. Look, there's a reason only four teams in NBA history have made it to four straight finals. That's Russell Celtics, Magic's Lakers, Bird Celtics, and LeBron's Miami Heat. It is taxing, both physically and mentally. I mean, players get sick of each other. The coach's, coach's voice gets tired and old. The regular season becomes meaningless. It is a grind and wears you down. Now you might say, well, Golden State, they're going for their fourth straight trip to the finals too. True, but a few differences. Number one, they have got a relatively new superstar in Kevin Durant, who's only going for his second straight trip to the finals. Durant is hungry still. And also, Golden State knows that when they get there, they will be rewarded with another ring. They're not going to be embarrassed. They will do the embarrassing. At number four, LeBron James. That's right. Now, look, we have to throw this out. The Cavaliers would not be one-time champions. They would not be back-to-back-to-back Eastern Conference champions. They wouldn't even be relevant if it wasn't for LeBron James. Unless we have to put that out there. But LeBron is not playing great basketball. The King is not playing like the best player in the world. LeBron has to believe in his players, in his teammates, that they can get it done. When he doesn't have those two things, he gets dispirited. And that's what you see right now, a dispirited LeBron James, and it is showing. At number three, Isaiah Thomas. Look, I feel for IT4, I really do. I mean, the man was a monster last year. He averaged 29 points a game. He led the Boston Celtics to the number one seed in the East. He scored 53 points in a playoff game on his late sister's birthday, no less. He finished fifth, rightfully so, in the MVP voting. He played through injury to his hip. Now he's heading into a contract, he's in a contract year, heading into free agency when most of the big money is off the table. Not gonna be the max deal, the Brinks truck that he was looking forward to. So I get it, I feel bad for the dude. But that said, he is not fitting in in Cleveland. Isaiah's rubbing some people the wrong way with his candor, his comments. He's coming in there speaking like he's been there for 10 years and he's the team leader and guys are kind of looking at him sideways. It's just not working out. At number two, the Cavs have a mismatched roster and I hate to say it, but an overwhelmed coach. Look, they've got the oldest roster in the league. They have a bunch of gray-haired specialists. So those who can shoot three-pointers can't defend. Those that can defend can't shoot. And they, they really can't defend that well anymore either. And then you have the egos. So now guys that are used to playing a lot, used to getting big minutes, and at one time were stars, if not superstars in the league, when they don't get their minutes, and the guy that's playing in front of them is getting the minutes, but the team is losing, losing badly, they're looking at each other sideways, they're finger pointing, there's backbiting, second guessing of the coach, all of that. At number one, the relationship, the bad, the sour relationship between the owner Dan Gilbert and the superstar LeBron James. Look, you've heard players say that a team is like a family. So like in any family, if the parents don't like each other, and everybody knows it, that's going to negatively impact the whole entire family. And that's what's going on. Dan Gilbert, he's upset with LeBron because LeBron won't commit long-term to the franchise. And LeBron is a high, 
high, high-maintenance player whose tentacles stretch throughout the entire franchise. That's rubbing Dan Gilbert the wrong way. The Cavaliers players see what's going on. They know this is happening, so they're, they're the kids in this case. And guess what? I hate to say it, but Ty Lue is a kid in this case, too. And this is trickled down into the locker room. It's trickled down onto the court. So there is no discipline, no loyalty, no trust among the players. It's every man for himself offensively, every man for himself defensively, and the result is a sorry excuse for an Eastern Conference champion. One that if this continues, will go out in the first or second round. All right, we want to welcome in my man Gary Washburn, longtime NBA columnist for the Boston Globe. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Chris? What's up? I remember the one first time I met you, uh, the Gundarina back then when I was covering the Clippers and they were playing the Cavs. So, man, that's, that's right. <laughs> Long time. I, I think that was the Mike Fratello era, if I can yeah. call it an era. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think so. When they had those ugly like black and turquoise uniforms. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You notice when when Cleveland, whenever they do the throwbacks, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen them throw back to that era. No, that, that was a bad. That was a bad. That, that, that was some that's ugly threads right there. Oh man, well, well, you've been uh, covering the league for a long time, doing a great job, and uh, obviously you're. Very familiar with the Boston Celtics, so we want to go right there. I want to ask you, really, let's cut to the chase. Cleveland looks horrible. The Celtics are coming off a 20-point loss to Toronto. And, have you know, even though they still are atop the Eastern Conference, they've just been 17-12 and 12 over the last two months. So who, with all that being said, obviously Toronto's playing pretty well. Who do you believe is the team to beat or the favorite in the Eastern Conference right now? Well, Chris, I still got to say it's the Cavs. One, because you got number mm. 23. Two, no one beat the Celtics or the Raptors haven't proven that they can beat the Cavaliers twice in a seven-game series, let alone four times. Like, I just think as long as number 23 is in that line and goal, and as long as he knows how to beat these teams, he can – pretty much single-handedly beat them. And you give them three months to get themselves together because right now they're a mess, right? But I just still think it's Cleveland because Toronto hasn't taken a game from them in the two series they yeah. had. And the Celtics <laughs> took one, catching Cleveland off guard without Isaiah and, and Marcus Smart hitting seven threes. So that, other than that, Cleveland's dominated both teams. So I don't think you can say Toronto's a favorite, although Toronto I think is a good club. And the same with the Celtics. You're, you're looking back, and the Cavaliers, even though they're third, a distant third, and they're a mess right now, they're going to be coming in May. Something just tells me that. And we'll see what happens for Sunday when they come to the Garden. Are they a mess? Another nasty televised game, Paul Pierce retirement, uh, Isaiah coming back in uniform for the first time, a lot, of, lot going on on Sunday. Uh, we'll see what happens there, whether, what, which Cavs team shows up. Well, you mentioned Isaiah, and uh, he look, he's receiving a lot of criticism for his play in Cleveland. People are blaming him for a negative effect on the team. Did you think he would fit in better with the Cavs, and are, are you surprised at, at the way things are going so far? Yeah, I'm a little shocked because Isaiah is being such a team guy and such a just a, a guy who's overcome so much adversity over his career. People tell him he's too short. He can't defend. You, you're a point guard who, who can't play point because you're, 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 you're a real shooting guard in a five-foot-nine body. That's not going to work in the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that he's just struggled so much, one, he's not healthy. I mean, I think it's going to take up a few more weeks to get those, those sea legs back in real NBA shape. And secondly, I just think he looks at this Cleveland system and these guys a bunch of veterans a lot of guys who have won maybe they're a little bit you know kind of good with just winning one title and then he looked at the hunger that they had in boston the structure on uh, the defense and i think he's kind of shaking his head like damn this is this is not boston he keeps mentioning boston he might want to chill on that 
But <laughs> exactly. you know, you know, bringing up home and when we were for the Celtics, we, you know, like okay, I said we got it. It was, it was and yep. I think he treasures <laughs> those times. But also, I I think that he just understands like this is this is different. These are this is this is you know what they used to say in baseball: twenty five players, twenty five calves. Like this is you know fifteen calves. Nobody likes Kevin yep. Love. LeBron's on his own. Jay Crowder just hasn't mixed in yet. J.R. Smith is out there, you know, on Venus somewhere. Tristan Thompson started. <laughs> like, he's looking around and saying, what? First of all, I didn't want this trade. Secondly, what did you trade me to? And, and thirdly, where, who's going to sign me to a max deal now? Like, exactly. stealing his money. They taking money out of his pocket. You know what I'm saying? And, and he yep. is, too, with his play. But nobody's going to max Isaiah now. And that was not the case a year ago. Nah, I agree. I, it, it, like, I understand, look, if you can get Kyrie Irving for Isaiah, you do it. And obviously Danny Ainge did it. But would he – do you think he would have traded Isaiah anyway? Like, say he couldn't get Kyrie. Or was he shopping him because we're not going to max him or he's damaged goods because of the hip? Like, what was the thinking with, with Ainge and the Celtics? I think it was a combination of things, Chris. I think, one, the hip did play a factor. I think, secondly – issue of whether you max him Isaiah had become a fan favorite he wanted to stay in Boston he wanted to retire there he, and he kept chirping about his money back up the Brinks truck all of these because <laughs> signed he signed a completely under market contract he's making 6.2 yep. I think this year I mean Matthew Delvedol was making 11 like exactly. you know, I feel you, terrible if, for him yep. if you look at that like that's why Isaiah might you know, part of ways with his agent. But if you look at his numbers, he wants to get compensated in the back end. And he looked at Boston and said, listen, now, do I think if they'd have told him, hey, Isaiah, instead of taking 30, instead of taking the Steph Curry deal or uh, that the Conley deal, take 24 and we can put that money in toward improving the team and being competitive for a title for years? He probably would have done that. And you're, if you paid him 24, that's a 400% raise. I, I don't think Isaiah would be complaining about that. But <laughs> I just think that fact, do you pay a five foot nine player who's now today, Chris, just turned 29 years old. So he is nearing yeah. the back. He's nearing the back nine because as we saw in Allen Iverson, little guys who go to the basket and get knocked down a lot, their bodies give up on them in the early thirties. Like, I don't know if Isaiah could do this at 33, 34. Do you give him a five, yep. six-year deal? I think Ainge asked that, and then when the opportunity, and then, of course, he always admired Kyrie. You know, Kyrie, who doesn't want Kyrie on their team? One of the most dynamic offensive point guards of, of this generation. And so I think if Ainge said, listen, we can, you've got to trade Kyrie because he's demanding a trade, we'll give you Isaiah, and we'll throw in the, the Brooklyn pick and all that. So I think Cleveland felt like they had to do it. And Ainge had to turn around and jump on that opportunity. He had to do that. Yep, yep. Now, Isaiah, obviously, he looked great last year, even the year before in Boston. But he, he's just one of many guys that have really looked better in Brad Stevens' system than anywhere else. I mean, Jay Crowder has really been a disappointment in Cleveland. Avery Bradley, he hasn't been that bad, but – he hasn't probably looked as good as he did with the Celtics. Why do you think players play so well? I mean, I'm looking at Terry Rozier dropping a triple-double, going for 30, you know what I mean? Like, why do you think guys look so good in Steven's system? That's a good question. I mean, I just think one of its opportunity, and I just think what, what Brad has done – uh, which has been different from a lot of coaches I've covered, is that he has no – he doesn't talk to a bunch of scouts. And when guys have come to Boston, he gives them a clean slate. You know, guys come in with reputations, like let's say a guy like a, a J.R. Smith reputation or a Gerald Green, guys who in other places yeah. it hasn't worked out. And coaches, you know, all coaches, scouts, everybody talks around the league, and, they, and these guys get bad now. Stevens doesn't judge off what he hears. He judges you off your play. He gives you a fair opportunity. If you take advantage of it, he's going to play. If you don't, he'll, he won't. And I just think guys know in Boston, especially with this young team, that their chance is going to come up. I mean, really, Chris, they're playing guys like Abdul Nader, who spent all last year in the D-League. He got, he's getting minutes. 
Sime Ojale, who was a second round pick, who, who you know, um, guy played it last year at SMU. You know, Gershon Yabuselli, guys that they're getting minutes. So they know if you play well, you follow his system, you're going to play. He does not judge off salary, he does not judge off reputation, he judges off can you do the job? And that's I think why guys are able to flourish in that system. That's good. That's good. Now, do you think everybody's wondering about Gordon Hayward? You think he'll return this season? Chris, yeah, it's a great question. I think was this February, early February, we're at. I think by like March twentieth, we'll know whether he'll come back. Whether he, I mean, whether he's close or whether he's in the ballpark in the neighborhood. I don't think the Celtics are expecting that. Um, I do think, though, that they're – I think Hayward's working to come back this season. I mean, but that's, that's so much psychological. I mean, his yeah. leg literally yeah. snapped. Is he going to want to jump on an alley-oop? Is he going to want to get physical? What happens when he gets bumped in the air? Like, all of that has got to happen before he even steps on a court. So how long – I mean, so he's got to actually play one-on-one, been, been three-on-three, been five-on-five, been full-court practice. In a game. I mean, that's a long road. I don't see it, but I do think the Celtics are kind of having the back of their mind, hey, Gordon, keep working out and then get back to us March 20th, April 1st, and see what mm-hmm. happens. Now, I mean, it, obviously in his absence, Jason Tatum, the rookie, has played really well. Jalen Brown has emerged as a really nice two-way swing man. I mean, and they also, that's not even to mention the trade chips that they have, uh, draft picks and things like that. Do you think Ainge feels like this is the core of a future championship team, or you think he's going to end up, you know, using some of these guys and some of these picks, you know, as trade bait to to make the team better? That's a good question. I think they would love to keep the core of Tatum and Brown together. Tatum's a guy I think everybody's shocked at what I mean. You know, you see yeah. one and done, and guys are scoring and at, you know on the on the on the D one level, and then all of a sudden, I mean, let's face it, Buddy Hill was killing at Oklahoma, you know, or or you <laughs> see guys in college and then they get to the NBA and there's the first year, two years fit mostly in the D league, and the third year they're just trying to find themselves. So like Tatum is literally, I mean, I tell people, Chris, before the nineteen March nineteen ninety eight, like. I did research. The number one hip hop song was uh, "Uptown" by like Peter Dunn. <laughs> like, I, like I, I remember being at the club dancing to that. That's he, right. That's right. And he was at the. And Jason Tatum is literally born. He's not twenty yet. He'll turn twenty from next month. And this dude has audience of refined, polished, offensive game. He can get his shot off. He 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 thir- thrives despite the fact he's not an elite athlete. So I think they want to keep him. And then Jalen, I think, is a little bit rougher around the edges with the sky's the limit. He's kind of a fearless guy. He's very intelligent. He works really hard. So that's a that's a duo, duo you want to keep. Now, Rozier, Rozier wants to start somewhere. And I think as long as they have Kyrie Irving, obviously that's not going to happen in Boston. So I think he's a guy that eventually might be in another uniform. He's only 23. He obviously, as you mentioned, put up that triple-double in his first start. Um, so I just think that's probably the guy who's probably going to go with maybe a Marcus Smart. Like, they're going to have to part with some of these young guys. As you know, that yeah. you can't pay all your young guys. That's what the Lakers are figuring out. You can't pay Randall. You can't pay Clarkson. You can't pay Lonzo. You can't, like, all these guys are going to come up. And I think the Celtics realize they can't pay everybody. And then, of course, free agency, maybe they go after somebody to put them over the top because, they want to win a title. They just don't want to make the Eastern Conference Finals or the Warriors in the NBA Finals. This is a team that wants to win. Danny has a bad taste in his mouth, Chris, from only winning one title with the big three. I mean, they only won yeah. once. Everybody talks about those. They lost a game seven to the Lakers. That team won one title. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, the Rockets won two. I too. agree. I, mean, I think that was a – yeah, that was – that. They blew – I mean, look, they got the one ring, but they should have definitely got more than one. Yes. And that so, team should have at least got two. That's a bad taste, I think, in Danny's mouth that they've won one title since 1986, you know, one title in the last 32 years. Now, what do you think Tatum's ceiling is 
Because I actually think he's going to be better than Gordon Hayward is. Yeah, eventually, I think I think his I think his ceiling. Once he, I mean, he's a comfortable shooter. He's a good mid range. He's his three ball is solid. He just needs to get stronger because guys are just raking at his arms, knocking the ball off his hip. Out of, the common things that you do to rookies when guys go to the basket, you know, these guys are strong. These guys know how to grip. You know, they know how to take the ball from you. And I just think. Jason's got to be better with the ball and stronger with the ball, but that will come with that will come with experience. I mean, literally 19 years old, I think his feeling is, is very high. So, I mean, I think, and I think they're. I mean, it's hard for me to say. Oh, Danny saw this at Duke. That's why he traded Markel Fultz to, to <laughs> draft him. I think they like Tatum. To sit there and say they thought he'd average 13, 14 a game and be a starter, no. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kyrie, obviously the leader of the team. What has he brought? Has he brought any type of culture change there, or has he really been a leader there, you know, brought the experience of having won a championship, or has he just kind of played his game and led by example? I think he has made sure to establish – first, when he got there, I think he established some boundaries. It was kind of an interesting story where – they're in the Celtics locker room, not a big locker room, not one of these huge, spacious locker room, home locker rooms in, in many of these NBA arenas. So Jalen Brown was eating and put his put his like leftover plate in Kyrie's seat. Kyrie walks over and is like, "Bruh," and kind of like, "We don't do this. Like, don't do this again." It didn't like chastise him, but gave him that look like this was not appreciated. Like, don't either throw it out uh, or give it to a ball boy or somebody, but don't put, don't put your like plate in my, this is my space. They got locked yeah. in each other. And I think that kind of was like, okay, I'm not a kid. This, I don't think that happens in Cleveland. Right. And I just think <laughs> he is embraced being a leader, even though he's only 25, you know, a few months from his 26th birthday. I, and I think that he has been refreshed by that. And he's also made sure, Chris, not to call him my young guys, my guys. Like LeBron, he, okay. I, I, he hated that. Uh, you know, my, my rooks. Like he, I mean, yep. I think every time LeBron said that, it was like, you know, freaking nails on a chalkboard to Kyrie. He hated to be called <laughs> young guy, you know, keys to the keys to the car. I'm like, like all that. He yep. makes no reference. He calls them younger players. Yeah, he, he, make sure during interviews and during a lot during when he was first there, he kind of tried to try to establish, you know, kind of on the, you know, Kyrie speaks in vagueness, but he, in terms of, he kind of gave the reasons why he wanted out of Cleveland. And a lot of that was, listen, I'm a man and, and I want my team and I'm going to lead differently than I was led. And I think that that's what he's done. He's established friendships He's established relationships in that locker room with the young guys. He doesn't talk down to them. But, yeah, he's a, he's a, is he a, a kind of a dude that's in his own world sometimes, yes. And I think that, but I think in Boston, that's respect. Yeah, yeah. Has anything surprised you about his game? Like, was he better than you thought from afar? I think defensively he's tried. You know, and I'm not ripping him, you know. I'm not saying he didn't try in Cleveland, but he gives them yeah. effort defensively, reading passing lanes. He's not a great defender. I don't think he ever will be, but I think the environment has encouraged him. Like, you know, I can't be the bad. I can't look bad because all my four teammates are defending. I can't be always the one getting beat off the dribble. Or I got to get a steal. Or I have to at least attempt to defend, staying in front of a guy. I can't be James Harden. I've got to literally offer some resistance. And I think that's been noticed. And in the team's defensive rating, obviously one of the better defensive teams in the league. That's what surprised me. And also his, you know, propensity for taking the big shot. Um, and also the fact that he's, you know, giving up some opportunities too. He's not a guy who's going to take, you know, 15 shots in a quarter or just he's going to take a bunch of bad shots when guys are open. He's been selfless in a sense. All right, let's go around the league quickly because uh, you cover the whole NBA. Um, do you see anybody challenging Golden State this season? I mean, I think Houston has a shot. I mean, I like Houston a lot. 
Um, cause, you know, but the, but that game six against the Spurs is never. I don't think it sits with a lot of people. So I think we're all going to wait to the postseason to see what he really has. You know that that conference semifinal series with either what Minnesota or San Antonio. Um, we'll see what happens there. But I, I like Houston a lot when they're right. I mean, Golden State's showing some flaws, but I think that's boredom at this point. Yeah. I just think you know it's it's, it's not quite midseason. A little bit more than that. Fifty games in, we're still two months from the end of the season. Um, guys are tired. They want that week off for the All Star break. But I, I think Golden State can be challenged. But beating them four times in seven games, I think that's tough. Who do you think is the biggest name that gets moved at the trade deadline? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say DeAndre Jordan, but, you know, it's hard to figure out what the Clippers are doing now. Like you signed 32-year-old Lou Williams to a three-year extension. So you're obviously putting faith in Lou. Um, DeAndre, if I'm DeAndre, I probably opt in. I mean, you don't walk away from $25 million. Is somebody going to pay him $25 over, you know, that's a good question. I'll probably opt in and wait till 19. I, I, I gotta think it's I gotta think it's probably Jordan. Um, you know, I'm sure Tyreek Evans will be moved. Um, but other than that, I just don't see. I see a bunch of smaller names, but, but you know, George Hill to the Cavs. Um, <laughs> Kevin is Kevin Love available? Will, will, will Cleveland trade Isaiah? You know, that's a good question. Yeah, is is yeah, that possible? Good, yeah. I mean, that could be definitely be possible. I mean, it seems like he's kind of talking his way out of Cleveland. Maybe, maybe somebody um, wants him, and and you know, maybe Cleveland, you know, makes some incentives, you know, offers some incentives, you know, and who knows if they do offer that Brooklyn pick, what kind of offers they would get for anybody on their roster besides LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Now speaking of LeBron, where do you, if you had to guess or if you had to bet where he's playing that next season, what would you say? I would probably say Cleveland. I just, I mean, the Lakers, it, it, it sounds neat, but then he's got to get somebody to go with him, right? Mm-hmm. Paul George, I think, is kind of like in Oklahoma now. I mean, why would you walk away from an opportunity? I don't know what they do with Melo, but to play with Russell, they're going to get better. Um, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get Robertson back next year. I mean, I think Oklahoma City has quite a future, and if you're, you're Paul, unless – I know he's a he's a kid from from suburban LA. Really want to play at home. Um, I think it's a pop, possibility, but I, I think LeBron stays in Cleveland. And just something weird tells me now, it, you know, if him and Dan Gilbert aren't getting along, and he's he's counting the days till he's out of there, that's something different. But is the Lake is he going to win a title with the Lakers next year? Um, that, that's a good question. Houston. I mean, that's a possibility, but then you're talking about they'd have to clear so much cap space. I mean, there's a lot going on, but I'm just going to say Cleveland, but I'm not strong on that. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you on George, too. I mean, I I think it's gotten to a point he almost would sound like a phony if he left Oklahoma City. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he's spoken so highly of it, you know? But um, last thing for you, man. What you covered the NBA for two plus decades, I believe. What's the craziest thing you've seen covering the NBA? Family friendly, craziest thing you've seen. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. I saw a player, uh, I saw a player go, I saw a player who made a, uh, who made a play to blow a game, sit in his locker. Uh, it, it was a back to back. So the team had to leave. They were all they get ready to go to play, and everybody around him was getting dressed. And he's sitting in his uniform, sweaty uniform, just like head in his hands. You know, the team, uh, you know, travel secretary yelled out ten minutes for the bus, five minutes for the bus. Dude gets up, takes off his uniform, gets his shirt and tie, and puts it on. Over, does not shower. Literally, just puts on his. <laughs> Puts on, his, puts on his shirt and tie and suit over his soiled underclothes and got on mm. the bus. And wow. a teammate of his was looking at me like, your, your boy, your boy, your boy's tripping. 
And <laughs> yeah, like, that, and we were just waiting. We're like, okay, he's got a shower, right? He's got a shower, right? He's got a shower. And when he grabbed that tie, I'm like, oh my God, he's getting on that bus. He's getting on that bus. Fuck it. So yeah, that's probably the funniest thing I saw. Player's not in the league anymore. He had some other notorious situations, but yeah, that was the one I was kind of like, wow, man, this league is weird. Wow, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. Well, yo, Gary, man, great job, great insight, man. Appreciate your time. And let's hook up, man. You coming out to All-Star to L.A., right? I'll be there. All right, let me know when you're here, and we'll hook up, man. Okay, sounds good, Chris. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Thanks. Okay, later. All right, here we are back again for another episode of Knockdown Jay with my man, Jason McIntyre. Nice to have you back, Chris. It's great to be back. I see you wore your son's shirt yeah. today. Hawaiian shirt what Wednesday, like, baby. Seven years old. I can't tell you where I got what? this shirt from. I cannot reveal anything. Stop these asking about it. These are parakeets. These are exotic birds. I'm gonna get you one of these for your birthday. No, Chris. please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, what do you have for me on knockdown? So we saw a terrible NBA game this week. The Warriors got destroyed. By your OKC Thunder. That was a great game. Russell I Westbrook was, was tremendous. The Durant was great. Westbrook was great. What was not to like? It was not competitive. I like competitive basketball games. And everybody's freaking out online, saying, oh, the Warriors are in trouble. They've had a tough four-game stretch here. They're no longer a lock to come out of the West. Chris, I'm just going to go on record. The Golden State Warriors, I'm not panicking, are still a lock to come out of the West. Do you agree or disagree? I wouldn't agree with Locke. They're the heavy favorite. Okay. Heavy favorite. Uh, I said a few weeks ago, I thought Houston had a 30% chance. I'll stick there with Houston. No, no movement on that. Nah, I mean, nah, I'll stay with 30 because okay. 30 is pretty high. I like Houston a lot. Look, Golden State is more vulnerable than we thought. Beginning of the year, obviously, everybody thought they were definitely winning the West. Still the favorite. I don't know that anybody wouldn't call them the favorite. But they're going to have some trouble. They have had easy roads to the finals. Oh. And this year, hold on, last year, several of the teams they played last year were hurt. Portland, Yusef Nurkic out in the first round. Not that Portland would have beat him. If he was there, it would have been so competitive. Utah in the second round, Rudy Gobert, injured. San Antonio, they're down 22. Kawhi, of course, gets injured in game one. They come back to win that game in that series. Who was injured in the finals? I, I forgot. Can you remind me? Well, Cleveland wasn't a, a very good team last year. Oh. I, I, Cleveland was like the best team in the East, maybe the third or fourth best team in the league. So I'm just saying that Golden State is going to have a much tougher time this year than they did last year. Remember, the second round, they probably meet OKC. OKC has athleticism with Russell Westbrook mainly, but also Paul George. You're putting, no, hold up, That hold up. can overwhelm people. You're putting OKC over Minnesota, even though the That's Timberwolves have taken two of three this year from OKC. Well, that of regular season, of course, isn't the standard, because if it were, then you'd be picking OKC over Golden State, because they've no, beaten, Gold, beaten Golden State twice. Yes, They're 2-0 they against no. Golden State. They're 2-1 against uh, Houston. You're right. Minnesota's not going to be an easy first-round series for OKC. But if OKC survives that, I think they'll give Golden State some trouble. Take them six games. Six? Yeah, I think OKC would take them six. All right. With Westbrook, his athleticism has overwhelmed opposing point guards. Chris Paul, it did it to Chris Paul, and I believe it was 2014. He he is going to be tough. If, If you're Golden State, you do not want to see OKC in the second round. Not because you won't beat them, but because that will be a physically an emotionally taxing series. On Kevin Durant, wow. these teams don't like each other. It's going to get dirty. Westbrook is going for the jugular with Steph and Durant. Jeez, Paul I... George <laughs> looked like a top 10 player he last night. He is a night, top 10 okay? player. Let's... He's a top 10 player. Steven has J- Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson. They got Ooh, some athletes. I am trembling. I'm just saying I'm they the got some athletes. Wow. Then you got to, after a tough series with them, then you got Houston. Oh. Houston is I playing mean, tremendous you know, you're basketball. Right. Mike D'Antoni has one playoff series win in the last decade as a coach. I'm going to have to stop you, Chris. You're going overboard here. This is a terrible performance 
from the Warriors I'm against the Thunder. I'm not basing it on last night. Okay, but they're going through a bad stretch. You know what this feels like in life? You got the vacation coming up. You're making plans. You're making reservations, and you kind of coast at work for a couple days. That's what's happening here. They know the All Star break's you. coming up. Steve Kerr says the team is mentally fried. Why? Why they mentally uh, fried? Listen, this is a a, a team that's be, being pulled in many directions. Kevin Durant, media obligations. Steph Curry, everywhere he media goes, there's camera all over. This is one of the Everybody's greatest. Everybody's got media no, obligations. No, no, no. This is a team where the opposing arena is half full in the lower bowl when they show up for warm-ups, okay? People are all over the Warriors. They are one of the best dynasties we've seen in the modern era and in the NBA. Hold They're on, hold on. They're not yet a dynasty. And, and I believe that just the wear and tear of every single night you're getting an A game from your opponent, the hunter versus the hunted. Okay, last year, remember, they were coming off losing How's to the Cavs. How's that going to be better in two months? Listen, this is a team That's that going to get me, better? They're going to be fine. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not Mentally, worried. They're, they're not favorite. there yet. I'm just we're saying. We're seeing sloppy play from Steph Curry, loose with the ball, Draymond's barking. Career. No, they're not dialed in. Steve Kerr said it best. They are mentally fried. I would read nothing into this bad stretch. The only thing I haven't liked, they're now sixth in defensive efficiency. They were one for much of the season, one and two with Boston. And, you know, they slipped a bit, but I'm, I'm not concerned at all. We get to the All-Star break. These guys get a little rest, get focused for the second half, and I, I think the Warriors still roll through the West. I'm not basing it on this four-game stretch where they've lost three. I'm just saying Houston is a very good team. OKC, when they want to play, is a very good well, team. Also, Melo didn't play last night after the first couple minutes, and they were much better defensively without Carmelo Anthony. They've been so they've been the top five defensive team all year. Okay, with but Carmelo. last night though, that's one. I mean, game. they forced what you're going to take turnovers? one game over a whole season. I mean, if if I'm Billy Donovan, I was like, dang, how much do we need Melo against these guys? Some, when, they, when they good. beat when they beat Golden State in the first time, did Melo play? Uh, I don't know. Did he? Yeah, he did. Okay. So I'm I'm just saying. Obviously. Let's not base it on one game. But defensively, they were good. They, they, it should add to their depth. Look, against the top three teams in each conference, they are 6-2. and two. Okay? They're playing good. When they get up for team for games, they play well. Couldn't get up for the Lakers this week when they had lost three they, in they a row. They don't tend they to get up for the, the average or bad teams. I mean, that's been, like I said, they're 6-2 and two against the elite. And then against bad teams is when they struggle. Okay. So, I, look, I'm with you that Golden State is the favorite. I'd be surprised if they don't win the West. I'm just saying they're going to have a tougher road than people expect. What percent chance, before we go to Josh here, do you give OKC against Golden State in a hypothetical second-round matchup? I think it's a six-game series. I think Golden State wins in six. Wow. I think, okay. it, I think it'll be a, a, a tough series for them. All right, flip it to your uh, basketball teammate All right, here. All right, my man, the, what you got? Uh, for the verdict on who's right on this list. I, he's a Golden State fan. Oh, I no, he's not. I am he not a shooters. Golden State he fan. Loves, I love the shooters, fan. though. I love the shooters, but let's be honest. The Golden State Warriors, we would be completely in shock if they're a lock, or if they make if they don't make the finals. They're not a lock, though. The West is so much tougher this year. Sorry. That's all you got? They're not a lock? <laughs> okay, all the right. West is tough. The West, well, I guess we'll give Bruce Hart the a half West point there. The West is tough. No, it was a full point. The West point. is it's tough. A full uh, point. Okay. <laughs> Broussard won. Next up, Chris. Um, we saw a big story this week from our rival uh, ESPN. They are reporting that the Lakers are recalibrating expectations for free agency this summer, and they're focusing on 2019. Chris, I don't buy this at all. I do believe this is the Lakers putting out a message here during uh, ahead of the trade deadline and maybe to affect a third tampering charge against Magic Johnson. Let's say nothing. Uh, Chris, I put no stock in this. I still firmly believe the Lakers will be chasing Paul George and LeBron James this July. Your thoughts? Well, of course. Uh, what they're, they're not recalibrating their plans. They're recalibrating the fans' expectations okay. because they are reading what's going on and seeing, man, Paul George is making statements. Now, is he lying? Is he being phony? We'll find out. But he, if you take his statements at face value, yeah. he sounds like he's going to stay. Kevin Durant sounded like he was staying in OKC the whole year, uh, and different. then he left. I mean, Durant was there for nine eight, years. Eight years in OKC, one yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So not, nine years with the franchise. I'm not, I don't think George should stay necessarily long-term in OKC. I do think he should stay at least one more season. Things are going great for Oklahoma City. 
They are improving. He, his numbers have improved every month. No doubt about it. In November and December, it was 21 points a game. In, in January, it was 23 points a game. Now in February, I mean, I don't know if this will keep up. It's early. 30 points a game. Looked tremendous against KD. Golden State. Oof. He made the All-Star team as an alternate, but he still got his love on the All-Star team. People are talking about him as Defensive Player of the Year. He's finding out. I don't need to be in a huge market to get the national publicity. If you win, you can get it. I would give it another year with Russ. Why not? You're young. Well, let's see. Well, let's Go see. for it. Let's uh, see what they let's do. Let's see what happens in and the so, postseason. Because remember, Russ against the Rockets last year, I'll never forget it. I've never Well, he seen had to team. do it by himself. I mean, he was jacking 40 shots a game, Chris. Okay? If this, if something like that happens He's in the not postseason. Gonna do, he okay. didn't have anybody else with him. We'll see. I you think he's going to jack 40 shots again? I would hope not. But I wouldn't put anything please, past Russell Westbrook. Please. I do believe, to get back to the Lakers, that they are going to put an all-in play on Paul George. He has said he wants to of come to L.A. They, they have to do that. They need a star. I believe they're 0 for 4 in their last big free agent moves. Like, couldn't even get meetings with guys, okay? Yes. Wouldn't, uh, Carmelo, back in the day, I don't think he sat down with the Lakers. He LeBron, talked with him. Uh, maybe he talked with them, but not may, seriously entertaining. LaMarcus Aldridge kind of laughed at their pitch. So Magic's in there now. They have to. The Lakers, they open cap room, okay? It's not necessarily about the fans. It's about this franchise hasn't been competitive in about five years. This is the marquee franchise in the league. you got to go in all in on Paul George, and we'll see what but happens. But just because the they go all in doesn't mean they're getting it. What? Look, if, if, if Paul George wants to go there, they're not going to be like, oh, no, wait till 2019 yeah, or LeBron. <laughs> so all I'm saying is they are looking at things and saying it, would, it, George might stay. DeMarcus Cousins is out with the Achilles. Would LeBron come without another star? LeBron ain't going to know. No, so that's why they're saying, hey, to the fans, believe me, this is to the fans, start looking at 2019. So don't get down on us if we don't get our guy in 2018. That's what this is all about. Again, that Warriors win, uh, the victory over the Warriors, I think changed things because they had lost four in a row since losing Andre Roberson. Roberson, your guy, I don't want to butcher his name. But they had looked vulnerable defensively. Okay? It was just four and games, though. Four out of games, and it was to bad teams. They didn't lose. They've to good been teams. losing to bad teams all, all right. Year. Again, if they had lost to the Warriors last night, then it's a five-game losing stretch heading into uh, the Wait, trade they deadline. They didn't lose Paul to George. the Warriors. I know, oh, but I'm no, saying don't be. You bring up ridiculous overreacting, thinking Paul George. Is I'm staying. just. T- I'm. I'm put. I'm giving Paul George credit that he's not a liar. That's what I'm serious. You're gonna say mid-season, I want out of here. No, to LA? no, you can say things are look. You know, we've been playing well. You know, I'm gonna keep my options open. I definitely no, like it here. That's not. The, Why and then go face your. You teammates? don't have to go overboard. You can say things that clearly show you like where you're at. You're strongly considering it, but nothing is done. He's saying it would be stupid. I would be stupid to leave if things are going in the right direction. He's saying Russ is making the decision. That much easier? I'm just saying. Now, you're right. Eric Horn told us last weekend, he's the Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoma, yes. last week on the podcast that he's only giving it a 51% chance what that are you he at? would Let's stay. put a percentage on it here. I, I'm at like 70% that he stays in OKC. Again, because I'm, I'm trusting what he's saying. Now, is he lying? We'll see. Well, he doesn't have to be lying. Both things can be true. He loves it. He feels that way right now. I would now. be stupid to and, leave. Yeah, and then things change in four months. You don't have to. I agree. If there's an implosion, if, if as you said, they get to the playoffs and Russ is just jacking up shots and George isn't involved, something like that, they go out in four or five games to Minnesota, something like that, yeah. But if, if they continue to play pretty well, get to the second round, lose but look pretty good, I think he'd stay, and I think he should stay. Right, before we you go can to Josh, go to L.A. in 2019. Seven weeks ago, the Cavs had won 18 of 19, okay? Everything was looking good. Isaiah's coming back. Seven weeks later, they're a dumpster fire. We don't know what's going to happen of with OKC. Of course you don't. Things However, they could lose there's to Minnesota. a big difference. My Timberwolves, who I've been gassing up all season, uh, they could lose to them in the first round. Oh, Minnesota's tough. Yeah. They could. I, I determined what we're going to Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> your podcast, like, like, he's just going to get the last one. The difference was, with your little analogy, Cleveland was beating up bad teams when they won 18 and 19. Oklahoma City has been beating up good teams. All right? That's the diff- The elite of the elite. Billy Donovan, Carmelo Anthony. I love OKC. <laughs>
Carmelo Anthony, is he, is he not a first ballot Hall of Famer? So what? Uh, okay. So what? He's your third option. He's giving you 17 points a game. Did you see him last night in the first quarter against Draymond? He, like, tried to back him down and got angry when he couldn't score. He tried had to a do bad it again. ankle, didn't he? Oh, whatever. I'm so over Melo. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You want the last word, Chris? Go ahead. Go ahead. Knicks fan, yeah, so stop bashing yeah. Mello. That was the quickest. That was the first time you ever passed to me. I was, <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, so wow. nice. Oh, he had to get that jab in. Paul George, great year, regular season. It's awesome in Oklahoma City right now, and McIntyre's right. It's February. It doesn't really matter what happens. You, we've just talked about he could lose to the Timberwolves in the first round. They could lose to the Warriors in the second round. If he's going to do that, he might as well be the man in L.A. for the team that yes. he clearly wants to play for. Grew up in Palmdale. Huge Laker fan his whole life. I ag- couldn't agree more. I mean, this is, geez, phenomenal analysis. Jeremy, Jeremy, you replaced Josh now. Now, look, we got to, at some point, we're going to have to give you a win. Oh, jeez. At, at some here. point. All right, Chris, know. let's wrap it up on this one. In, in your top five, you said something I thought that was borderline incendiary. Buy out Isaiah Thomas? Now, I got to say, I know you're Mr. NBA. They love you online. The YouTube commenters love Bruce Hart. I haven't heard anybody. Do you? Are you all right when you read those comments? I love you, it. You I love it. It feeds me. You got the thick skin. Chris, I haven't heard anybody suggest buying out Isaiah Thomas. Personally, I think that is, I mean, just absurd. Wow. He's been there for 14 games coming off a of hip surgery. I would agree. He's been terrible. He's been awful. 22% on three-pointers. Clearly, he's coming out jacking left and right. He's taking shots at Kevin Love in the team meeting, which I thought was absurd. You're making my case for me. I know, I, but at the same I mean, time, you can't throw in the towel, okay? You can't just say, let's buy him out, get him out of here. Isaiah can come around. This is a guy who was third-team All-NBA last year. I know I've bashed him a lot. I'm just going to defend him here. You cannot, absolutely cannot buy out Isaiah Thomas. I, look, he was fifth in MVP voting last year. He was tremendous. I voted for him to be fifth. I thought he was great, okay? I think, I don't know if I had him second or third team All-NBA, but he had a great season. And I'm just saying if this continues, if I'm Cleveland, I'm trying to trade him by by the Thursday deadline. That's my first thing. If If that doesn't happen, I give it a little bit more time, and then if I have to, I buy him out. Because here's the thing. It's not a knock on Isaiah. It's just that I don't need him. I've got two other players just like him. Who? Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade. That's what they are now. All three of those guys are ball-dominant slashers who are best when they're trying to score, and none of them are great knockdown shooters. Isaiah's got the hip injury. We don't know when or if that thing is going to get better to the point where he gets back to what he was last year. And as you said, defensively, we know he's atrocious. And the team is a negative eight defensively when he's on the floor. They're eight points worse per 100 possessions than they are without him on the floor. Offensively, though, where he was supposed to help, they're nine points worse. He's a negative 15 when he's on the court. And and here's the thing. This is valid points. they were at their best when Jose Calderon was at, at the point yes, guard. I mean, Not that he's a great player, but he stayed out of everybody's way. His chemistry, <laughs> chemistry was good. He, you know, LeBron could do his Bring thing. Bring the ball up. Try not to get beat off the dribble. Just stay out of the offense. I think right? they might be better with Derrick Rose at oh, starting no, point. No, no. And then that way, Wade can no. have the second unit. Right, Hold on. Let's... Rose has been better Stop. than Isaiah has. I will not hear team. anything positive about Derrick Rose, okay? He is garbage. I'm sorry. I know you like him. Hold on. No, no. Has Derrick he, Rose he, he has hasn't been better than Isaiah. What did the stats They've both say? been similar. But no, no. He's negative three uh, yeah, I know. plus I minus okay. Isaiah's let me, negative nine. Let me nine. make this case for you. Last year in the postseason, LeBron against the Celtics, they needed Kyrie to take over. In that one game, he took over at like that 25 and a quarter. LeBron I know. Dominant Kyrie that can do that. Who is most likely out of Isaiah or Derrick Rose to carry you for a quarter offensively? Because we know they don't play any a defense. quarter? Yeah. Isaiah Thomas, who can get buckets, he was one of the most clutch players in the league last year, or Derrick Rose? This should be a no-brainer, Chris. The game they won was without Isaiah, Boston. Yes. You remember that? I mean, maybe Isaiah. He can get hot. But Rose, look, they're both averaging about 14 points a game. Rose is shooting a better percentage. 
you don't you're not getting Kyrie in e either I, one I of these guys. Isaiah's got that cloud. Love of, is going to be I your second guy. I imagine it's not going to be either one of those two. Well, that's one and what back. I'm saying is, if you bring Isaiah off the bench, I would do that. I don't think that's going to sit well with him. That's tough to He's hurt, already buddy. he's already ruffling feathers with his candid talk. Now I like his candor. I salute you, Isaiah, Wait, you, you for being still honest. When he went after you on Instagram, I, that's he, last week he came after you hard. Oh, that's what you think, Chris? Yeah, I thought that was hard. That's, that's, I, that's hard. I guess that's hard in suburban Silver oh, Springs geez, where you come from. Suburban. But but <laughs> anyway, um, look, Isaiah, I like what he's saying, but it's ruffling some feathers because well, players – and what he's saying is right. We're bad defensively. Yeah. We're not together. We don't trust each other. But players are like, first of all, you're a big part of that problem. Know your role. Secondly, you just got here, yeah. dog. So you you calling us out. Yeah. That's a problem. If he goes to the bench in a contract year, it's going to be even worse. Well, he ain't getting the contract about, now. Let me say this. I don't know how, if you know Ken Berger. Did you read yeah. his piece on Bleacher Report? He said Isaiah Thomas was already chummy with Dan Gilbert, texting yeah. him, hanging out. This is because he's looking I don't for think a contract because he knows will. LeBron's yeah. out. Dan Gilbert likes him. Uh, Isaiah's a great underdog story. There's a great narrative. Fans can eat that up. Isaiah's got to play to the owner here and got to get his bucket so he can get a max deal. Now, I don't think he's sniffing that's a max not deal. What, that's the thing. Like, he, everybody's he's looking out for number agenda. one. LeBron's looking out for number one. What am I going to do in the offseason? Kevin Love, I, he's not, is he in the mix? Isaiah's looking out for number one. I don't think it's right, but I can't fault him. I just don't think you can I, buy I, him I, out. I feel for him. I, I, look, I don't think they will buy him out. But I'm just saying, if this thing continues, sending him to the bench, I don't know how great of an option that is because I think he's not going to be happy. His play will probably get even worse. And I already have my second unit has Dwayne Wade. Wade is not going to be effective if he doesn't have the ball in yeah. that second unit. Neither will Derrick They got Rose. problems. I don't need three of these guys. That's basically what it boils down to. Rose, Isaiah, Wade, they're all similar. I don't need all three. Okay. And I'm just saying now, this will the, be a the shock. worst if one defensively is This will Isaiah. be a massive shock. You, really? Buy out I'm, Isaiah Thomas. I'm saying this needs to be something they consider. Okay. That's all I'm saying. What say you, Josh? He is so right. That's why he's the host of this show. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's not helping on the court. He's not helping in the locker room. He has an agenda. If he wants to get paid, let him go get paid and be the man on some other team that he can get some shots up. Worst plus or minus the last 10 years. Buy him out. In the last 10 years. Jaleel <laughs> Okafor, Andrea Bargnani. This is per game. Andrea, Jaleel Okafor, Andrea Bargnani, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> wow. I didn't oh, even know man. that. All right, you listen, you need to make this your thing. You need to go online and be like, no. buy out Isaiah. Because this is, I mean, if you got one guy agreeing with you, maybe the masses will. All I'm saying is if this continues, you have to consider it. Hopefully they can trade him no. by tomorrow. Who's taking him? Damage goods. He's, a, he's an expiring contract. Maybe somebody will take him for the fan Who, financial give me a team. relief. Give me one team off the top I of your head. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe somebody will take him for financial relief. He was good in Sacramento. He was good in Phoenix. Maybe, wow. you know. I don't know. All but right, look, Chris. you gave it your best shot. Stop it. You wore your son's shirt. You showed off your muscles, tried what? to influence the YouTube guys it. out there that love you. But you gave it a good shot, man. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This was an episode of Knockdown J. Remember, go to iTunes Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud. Give us five stars. Leave us a great comment. And yo, take it easy on my man, J Mac. All right, peace.